That's what I'm doing after the, after we record this. I'm gonna go into my bathroom and spend like an hour fuck further fucking my head up with a pair of clippers. Uh, I was gonna say, did you want to do it on the podcast? Then I'll become a video podcast. Yeah, I mean, you you just throw the video away anyways. So why would I want to give you that content? I can just film it, put it up myself. I guess you're right. Yeah, because everyone's just dying to watch you cut your own hair. And no, I, got you, like, like, I got like 500 people to watch me just eat chili and drink Gatorade one night. So that's wild. That's, I know it's wild. So for people listening, if they're unaware of Green Shirt Guy, the phenomenon, it's given you this audience. It's given you this weird audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have like a, I have a dedicated, like fan base now and it's it's yeah. we it's it's definitely weird um i had a guy <laughs> I, I love it from a distance uh like i had a guy a couple weeks ago like thank me for like quote unquote creating this place for like like-minded people on the internet which was just like just like it's just there's like I have these like fans now who are just like more or less people that are like into the same shit I'm into. Like they started following me because of the video. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, like, but like I'm, you know, like we're also into like, you know, like punk rock and like Star Trek and like this shit. And like now it's got monkey bow like, now. Yeah. But it's got to the point where like these people have connected like in the comment threads of my shit. <laughs> with each other like with each other and oh, yeah. have like formed their own like internet friendships on different platforms because like they were both following me and then they like they had a back and forth in the comments and are like both into the awesome. same well, well yeah. it's like they're both it's not it's not but it's not about me anymore at that point like no i mean when i said this guy's awesome i meant person a thought person b in the comments was awesome yeah and vice versa and they're like yeah made friends yeah it's just like it just happens to be like i it was the me posting about whatever dumb shit that I personally enjoy. Mm-hmm. Two other people were like, I'm also into that same nerdy shit. Oh, and for they, sure. And then they connect. And it's it's really fucking cool, honestly. It really is. I mean, I uh, I don't want to say I jumped onto the monkey bone train early, but I feel like I did. I feel like day two or three, I decided to start rooting for monkey bone, which, uh, again, catching people up. Alex was doing a thing where if you voted for whatever movie he was going to watch that night, it was going to be the movie he was watching that night. And if it lost, it went on to the next day. And Monkey Bone lost for like two straight weeks. It was like 14 straight losses. Yeah. And I want to say about day three, when I realized Monkey Bone did not stand much of a chance, because it was losing pretty bad. I started petitioning as if it was a politician for people to vote for Monkey Bone. And other people did too. And then we all sort of joined hands in that. It became like its own batshit crazy like online community. <laughs> like I, I have people, not a lot of people, but I have some people who are following me just because of the monkey bone thing. Like, really? Yeah, it's great. There were people that came in during that process because it was getting like thousands of people were voting in that thing every night. And then like people were resharing it, like getting That's tagging cool. their friends and stuff. My favorite thing I saw during that whole process was like was a random person she like screenshotted her text messages because like she she wasn't following me she had no idea what was mm-hmm. going on with it but her friend who followed me it was like on night three or four or whatever sent her a text message it was like you need to get on twitter and, and like, vote for monkey bone and, or, and vote against monkey bone 
And oh, what? Like, what? Yeah, she was a she was a never boner. If you remember, that's what they started calling them. Yeah, yeah. I, so mad at that. That's just yeah. for so the never it, boners listening. You're just being negative, and Monkey Bone deserves a night. It, it's. I mean, it, it's it, it, just to explain for anyone that's listening doesn't know. People got so like up in arms about the nightly movie poll and about Monkey Bone that they like formed factions and then like hashtags. Yeah. And it was like they had team names. And one of them was it was never Monkey Bone. And then that became never Monkey Boner and then never Boner, uh, which was Mm -hmm. fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, and like I encouraged it, obviously, because it's fucking incredible. But like, yeah, so all this is happening. This lady like drops this text message thread and. she like the best comment in the text message thread is the person who originally followed me is trying to explain it to this new person (laughs) and she's like yeah and she's just like and then out of nowhere this anti-monkey bone contingent just fucking rallied (laughs) and that text conversation from these two strangers i do not know is probably my favorite thing that's happened oh yeah trying to explain it to another person just doesn't make sense there was a couple times I was like, I took a nap and missed the voting. And I was like, so upset with myself as if I let monkey bone down. Cause I was very much on team monkey bone. Well, one of the best parts of the whole like monkey bone saga was um, that like, there's, there's like no set like time to it. It was just like, I as one night I like legitimately didn't know which one of my two DVDs I wanted to watch. And I was like, I oh, fucking Twitter, why not? Like Twitter will decide. Twitter decides yeah. what I have for lunch. Um, <laughs> so I like put it out there, and like people just got like into it, and uh, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna make it a bracket because like there's no sports or anything going on, so like I'm fucking bored. Yeah. And so, and so like I made it. I made like a bracket basically out of my DVD collection, and people just got like so fucking into it when Monkey Bone hit. And but one of the like one of the best parts of that whole experience though was like the fact that it brought new people in and people got so irate about it but it is weird like i've gathered i have people following me now for like these other things that have nothing to do with the video and then people say i have monkey bone followers now who then like (laughs) after the monkey bone thing ended we're like i just realized that you're also the green shirt guy (laughs) from that video last august i just thought you were like oh that's funny i thought you were just the monkey Bone. that's almost a year ago yeah yeah and um and then like yeah so I, I started the podcast recently and it's been like you know it's like pretty new so it's like i, I Wait, get, plug it uh it's called sorry for rambling it's on youtube it's on apple podcast spotify all that crap um but i've you know because i had the viral video i've had access like i've built friendships and like acquaintances mm-hmm. with like legitimately fucking famous and cool people not like dumb internet dickheads like me and <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's weird. I've like had interactions. I didn't realize this, but I like I recently figured out that like I've had people following me because mm-hmm. of the podcast now, which is like that's great. Oh, it's incredible. It's also like mind blowing because I feel like I spend every day trying to beg like the people that are already following me to like listen yeah. to the fucking podcast, and then all of a sudden I'm in this like heated argument like a couple days ago on Twitter with this dude who he's like saying some like really kind of grimy like anti-immigrant shit and it's actually so what he was doing was uh i was involved with this like charity project that was like trying to help this like undocumented family like pay their bills because like they were both out of work like both the parents in the family were out of work 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can't get unemployment. Exactly. Uh, like you don't get any benefits despite like what, you know, like fucking crazy, like right wingers say. So we're trying to like scrap some money together because there's a shitload of kids that live in this house and like, like they need to eat, you know? Yeah, and sure. like have have a roof while the fucking virus is going on. So, so we're I'm helping to fundraise for this thing, and this dude starts like popping off in the comments saying all this shit. And so like I look at it, I'm like, this motherfucker's following me, and like, why the hell would he be following me if he has views like that? So like I'm arguing with him, and like at one point I say that, and I realize like his uh his like Twitter handle is like a Sons of Anarchy reference. And I had just had Chris Reed, who was one of the cast members of Sons of Anarchy on my podcast. Yeah. And so I was like, just to like kind of troll with the dude and like be a dick because I thought he was just like trolling me. I like dropped the link. I was like, hey, I noticed uh, from your Twitter handle, like you're a Sons of Anarchy fan. Uh, like check out this episode I did with Chris. And the motherfucker's like, yeah, that's why I follow you. Like in response, he's, he's like, I already saw it. It was, it was, it was a really good interview. Like I listen to some of the others like i'm like i thought you were really good he had no fucking idea that i was like this dude from this video he's like this hardcore like trump dude you know yeah which is crazy because i wanted to tell you that your twitter ruined uh my twitter life for like a month you the day that you that video hit you were like you did a super cool thing and you shouted out my twitter and i got like a thousand followers in the next day but like you did this like super left-wing thing that got all these people's attention and they don't know why they're following you they don't know why they're following me and i just do stupid butt stuffed oreo jokes on twitter you know like i'm just doing hardly political and people like no matter what i tweeted for the next month people are just like you know what unfollow i thought you were a part of the cause you're like you know i'm not not a part of the cause i just don't talk about it yeah. I'm really going to talk to you about whatever Star Trek thing I'm watching or wrestling thing I'm watching. And like, they have like no interest, but it would like, no matter what I tweeted for that next month, I just would get just flack. And it was like, you know, guys, I'm never offended to watch my numbers go down. If you're here for the wrong reason, leave. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something I had to learn too, though. Cause like I, when the thing happened, I mean, I, I had way more followers than I do now. I mean, like I peaked up at like 70,000 fucking followers on Twitter. And yeah, like all I, in like 24 hours or something, it seemed like. Yeah. I went from like 700 to like 70,000 people and, uh, and it was fucking nuts. And, and like I ran one of those bot audits, like they weren't bots. They were like real fucking people. Like I think I had like a yeah. 1% bot follow ratio or oh, suspicious wow. account follow, uh, which has been really cool. Like I've actually, ran those reports a bunch of times like if you, there's like services you can pay to do it and they'll like go through and look for accounts that are suspicious and um and yeah i've actually like maintained like i guess like really good numbers for uh for what that is compared to like other accounts of my size but um but i, I mean it's gone down i'm at like 56 now and uh and i've gone down under 50 i've gone into the 40s and come back up i got back up to over 60 and then i'm you know, back down huh. again um, but it's like I piss people off sometimes yeah. of stuff I say. Um, and so like the best is when people like tell you why they're unfollowing you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like in a comment on something. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I, for the longest time since working on this campaign, people wanted me to like endorse like a presidential candidate. And like the truth is I hadn't even like, really made up my mind. I was like, 
kind of torn between a couple of them. So I was just staying out of it. And I would like, yeah. also like even the ones I didn't like want to vote for, like they still sometimes do cool shit or say something I agree with. And like, so like I'll retweet it or like, there's a news article where like so-and-so was doing like, a charity thing or had done something cool when they were younger. It's like, that's just because I'm not going to vote for them doesn't mean like I'm not going to like give them props. Yeah, no, or, like, I in general don't marry somebody from the primaries because you don't know what's going to happen on the other side and you know you're still going to like me i'm gonna vote team blue and yeah. so you're like all right like i'm no matter who they choose it's gonna be somebody it's probably not who i like but i'm still gonna vote for whoever wins out of this thing so yeah you can't you can't put too many chips in one basket i'm sorry go ahead no 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 i mean it was just like oh, yeah. uh that's exactly it and the thing that was blowing me away is like, I, I would get attacked by like everyone's like every presidential candidate's like fans and yeah. so, but it gave me, I felt like this really unique perspective because I had this big like following from like all the different little like, you know, liberal and left camps. Um, so when they would be like, oh, like the Bernie bros are so toxic or oh, the this or so that, like I had this unique place to have been like on the receiving shit end of all of their people and on the good end of all of their people. And I would have to just be like, no, like, your guy has fans that are just as fucking bad as XYZ guy. Mm-hmm. You're, like people are terrible when you put them in like large groups about shit and like they're mean. And, yeah. Like, it seems like people can't gather without becoming a mob. Yeah. Well, and also they don't, like people want that to like be the reflection of the other candidate now, like which yeah. is a whole different dynamic to politics that we have now, which is like the very online, like the shittiest supporters of whoever are not representative of that person just like the shittiest you know like motley crew fan is actually like probably not as shitty as motley crew that was a bad example <laughs> like motley yeah. crew's the, the members of motley crew are probably like worse fucking people than their like whoever is uh their worst fan is like there's probably i don't know because motley crew is an interesting random choice out of that because their fans live the lifestyle they sing about and so does the band you know (laughs) and it's not a good lifestyle so i take that one back yeah exactly it's a lot of single moms and dads within three or four years it's not good a lot a lot of rape and racism that's like the thing like nikki nikki six like like straight up like straight up admits to like basically raping a woman in like that autobiography or that like oral history book and that came that came that came out like recently like within the last few years and people were just like that's I mean, rock yeah. and roll, dude. Though there was like, well, we knew that one, you know, yeah. like, oh god, like that, like, yeah, that, <laughs> there, was, there was no like. What, I'm surprised we saw six. rock stars after me too. I'm like, oh, if it got into the rock stars, we're just gonna lose all of them. It's like such a fucking weird, like, gross situation. I feel like with music because it's like, you know, some of the things that came out uh with some of these musicians it's like it's so fucked up and varied right because and like the standards have changed so much from like the fucking 50s 60s 70s to now and and yeah there's like definitely musicians who have been canceled for shit like in the 2000s and 2010s that like yeah was public knowledge that different rock stars had were doing in like the 60s and 70s and they're not like canceled for it but like yeah. it, 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 the, the scenarios are also like drastically different because like society is drastically different, you know. Oh yeah, completely. I mean, but at the same time, I'm also really happy that all of this behavior surfaced so we can 
progress as a society and evolve. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which I don't it, think I've ever said this on the podcast, but there is a lesson I learned from me too, and I just want it out there. And that's that when all those women on Facebook were talking about all of their stories that they've had, and everybody had one. Like I was had the initial thought of like, we get it, everyone's had a me too thing. And then it was like I had a moment where it's like, oh my God, no, I actually finally right now just got it. Everybody's had a me too thing. There's not all of the men are bad, but there's enough of them that are bad that every single woman gets me too'd in some way or another. And it's like so far been unavoidable and we're trying to make it avoidable in the future. And that's the whole point of the movement. Yeah. That's why it's great that all of this has surfaced. Well, and it's, I mean, you hit something, I feel like on the gender neutral generalizing that we haven't like caught up in that conversation either, which is something I've been like kind of grappling a bit in the last year or so, which is that like the number of men who have experiences like that uh, often, most of the time I'd say with other men, but like uh, mm. with, with women too, especially like women in positions of privilege or wealth um, is not insubstantial. Um, especially, right. especially and it's silent. Es- it's a silent, especially, figure. especially when they're children. And the thing that like hit home with this about me was really like sitting around listening to a bunch of dudes, like joke about like creepy shit that had happened to them mm-hmm. and like a, and like a laugh it off kind of way. But like clearly, like it was like very much that like I am making a joke about this to save my like very fragile masculinity. So I am not <laughs> I have not learned to handle that like this thing yeah. happened. And if I admit that it made me feel weird, well then they're it, learning to open up through it too, though. That's the other thing. They are like, like we're making it a conversation that they can. Oh, you know, I verbalized this a couple of times before in a more weird, jokey way about it. So one day I can actually unpack it in the way I need to to heal from it. Yeah, yeah, but but you're right. I never, even through all that, I was wasn't ever like, what about the, the men that are silently suffering? That's happened too. All these it people, do, it but does, all of this is gonna surface. It's it's you know the difference is though, and like you know, like I bring that up because it's just like, uh, it's something that's like a newer part of the thought in the last. I feel like the last year for me to like really understand like how pervasive that is and how underreported that is because it, it's like once you start seeing it you start like asking like other men and you start realizing yeah. like holy shit like pretty much every one of you has some type of story but mm-hmm. like because of like societal expectations on masculinity and like built in like shitty homophobia and like this and that like you just don't talk about it but yeah. the flip side of that though also is that like those situations are always like i feel like while they're still really bad they are often far less bad than what you hear from a lot of women. Um, mm-hmm. And the power dynamics are still so usually fucked up and slanted towards men. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it also seems like what happens with a lot of women is often so often is like so violent, you know, uh, which you don't hear as much with men. So it is. <sighs> yeah, no, you're right on all of that. Like, this got off into a really weird scale. tangent that I was not planning to go down on this podcast. But I get it. But I'm mean, like, I also this is normally a jokey podcast, but the conversation's good. I'm not going to get mad at it for getting seriously good. Yeah, but like I'm deeply uncomfortable with the subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if it hit something personal. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm I'm an open book about most shit. But um, uh, but I, I you know, the problem is, is I said it's my fault. I said Motley Crew. And I read that fucking thing. That's why it is in my head. 
I read that fucking thing about Nikki Six the other like recently, and uh, and I was like, this is pretty fucking. This is real creepy. I feel real weird reading this. Uh, also, like Motley Crue is not a good enough band for me to like justify like <laughs> listening to this and being like, ah, like like fuck Motley Crue. Motley Crue sucks. Yeah, well, almost, now that we're so many years away from their peak, it's weird when you meet somebody whose favorite band is Motley Crue now. You know, you're like, still, you didn't grow up at all from there because it's not like the movie or the movie. The music wasn't meant to age well. It was meant to just be whatever the strip clubs played then. Yeah. Well, okay, you know, like, uh, in our younger years, like the 2000s, there was like the whole like scene screamo thing, which was like, to me, so much of it was always like, this is just fucking hair metal again, you know, like, (laughs) this was like, Uh, yeah, I can see that. It was the big, it was big teased hair, lots of animal print, Mm -hmm. tight jeans, and like tons of creepy fucking behavior. And uh, like, a lot of those skinny dudes acting macho. Yeah, and a lot of those bands got, like, tied to, like, punk and, like, hardcore and shit, but, like, dude, they were such a clown act. Like, and there's, like, I'm, you know, I was a teenager then, so, like, some of those bands I do kind of like, but, like, objectively, it's the same shit as Motley Crue. Like, just a bunch of, like, men who, are, like, are otherwise not necessarily terribly masculine, but are, like, trying to project that. Oh, yeah, the there's most... some androgyny to them. Yeah, and but they're, like, hyper masculine in their actions it's like frat boys on steroids but like their hair is teased and they're wearing leopard print exactly oh literally women's pants yeah i remember going to stores with friends so they can get women's pants because they're tighter because they're gonna go to these shows later i remember a friend of mine like literally like getting into like a debate with some dude in like probably like 2005 at like a uh, like it might have been like an art gallery show Mm-hmm. about the fact that like he was a double zero in women's jeans and like he was gonna like like this guy was like <laughs> like you know like this him. was i needed to stand my ground and like i've been dieting so i can fit in the skinnier jeans and i was like this is a, like there's a whole like bizarre <laughs> culture that like coalesced that it was like some perfect mix of like body dysmorphia like like body image issues with like oh these, yeah and like uh with the with the women in the scene too like it was just everyone was like heroin chic super skinny but then like the most misogynistic like disgusting sexist gross crap you've ever heard in your entire life like i remember like you know there's like songs that like the chorus lines are like literally like very they're, they're super rapey or like like literally talking about like killing like women and like th- and they print it in t-shirts and like gold foil lettering oh no do you remember that uh, i remember some of that but i was never into any of that i was never oh. into the screamo I was into emo music pretty heavily. Yeah, uh, that was the better side of it. Yeah, well, because it was the first time like I saw, because really what I loved was pop punk. Yeah. And pop punk just evolved into emo for a couple of years and then went back to being pop punk. And so like, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that, the tightness of a pop song, but that harsh guitar sound of a punk band. You know, like where I would say like the first thing I really heard that was like, that was like no effects, Fugazi. And then it, I moved my way into like, like taking that to like the Get Up Kids first album and then following them with like the Alkaline Trio and the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely more of the side of the scene that I was like personally into too. It's just like, uh, I, especially I grew up in Phoenix, like there weren't as many like local bands playing that. Like it was yeah. all like super harsh. Like, so you didn't grow up with shit. Scrappies the way I did. No, 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 no. You guys had a whole different thing going on uh, down here. 
um we would like pile in a car and come down for shows but that was like Mm it i mean we'd go up there for like nina's hideaway and stuff yeah (laughs) it was there was a a weird cultural exchange between yeah it was phoenix yeah because i mean that's what like at the drive-in played their last arizona show you know you had to go to phoenix for him god that must have been so cool yeah they're amazing they're the best and like uh i'm trying to remember who else was on that ticket because it was um it was a band that didn't fit it at all. What was the couple? They played pop music. They sounded Japanese, but they weren't. They're white people from uh, New York. And it's just a married couple. And they... I'm never going to get it now. I'm going to remember afterwards, and I'll put it in the outro. Yeah. They sounded like a poppier moldy peaches. If that hits anything with you. Oh, kind of vaguely. I forgot about the moldy peaches, though. Kimya Dawson, that was a whole thing. The whole, yeah. Ju- the whole Juno soundtrack was, like, See, pretty to me, incredible. Because I'm the guy that's like, I saw these bands before they got big. And then it's like the Juno soundtrack comes out or, like, the Shins hit big with that other soundtrack. for Garden State. Exactly. And I'm like, no, the things I treasured that were mine that I would see with 50 other people. Now I'm seeing with 2,000 other people. They ruined it. Like, what were some of the best bands you saw before they popped? Oh God! Um, I think I saw Emery before, and that was funny because I was never really into Emery, but I just remember like being surprised. I saw him. There was this place in Glendale called the Americana. It was like a coffee shop. It was like open mm-hmm. for like less than a year, but like a bunch of bands came through this like basement venue that it had, and uh, and one of them I think was Emery. I might might have been at Americana, might have been somewhere else, but um, I remember, just remember like being like I don't know band really is but like a friend of mine wanted to go and then it was like oh like this band is like six months later was like huge it felt like yeah um trying to think i you know that that same uh like time period was like uh seosin was like not really popping off it was back when like the uh they saw at anthony green i remember they came through one time and i like i saw them at scrappies a bunch before they hit because like i I didn't like i just didn't care about them and like uh, yeah i was like more into like punk and stuff so like a buddy of mine wanted to go and i was just like nah and i regretted that i really regretted that that happened a lot out here where there was just like you had nothing better to do so you went to scrappies and all of a sudden it's just like you're watching somebody play for like 12 people you know like it'd be like it's m ward and the next time he comes through it's like a lot of people you know like where i saw bright eyes play for nobody you know <laughs> and um solar culture it's amazing that's so cool yeah oh dude it's the best uh, I remember I was going to see Arcade Fire and then they blew up after it was announced. And then it was just like, oh, wait, I have to buy tickets in advance now? I've never had to buy tickets in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, now it's sold out? This is bullshit. <laughs> the same thing happened with uh, the White Stripes. Oh, God, yeah, like yeah. Bars out here. And that was and like, then, with them, it was literally like, I, I tried to snap that this is not a video podcast, but like it was, yeah, it was like a it. match. It was a matchstick that went off, like with the white stripes. Yeah, because it showed up on MTV. Yeah. Because they were supposed to play Club Congress. And then the MTV video hit and was like just, just soared to number one. And this, so they moved across the street to the Rialto. Well, there was a lot of like these bands that were coming up that were like in the early 2000s where it was like, it just took like one single to get them like on it, like MTV and yeah. it, like it just popped off. Like Modest Mouse was like that with Float On. Like they were already established. Yeah. They were playing like mid-sized venues. Oh yeah. I was seeing them play mid-sized venues. Yeah. Then I they were the biggest band in the world. 
but the great thing to me about them for some reason, and this has nothing to do with them, is that I bought that album before it hit big because I had their other previous albums. Oh. So for some reason, it just felt like they graduated. So I didn't yeah. feel like slighted by it. I felt like the world caught on finally. Well, I think that's how a lot of, I mean, that's ultimately what's happening with all those bands. The the yeah. one I remember that like blew me away that it got so big was Coheed and Cambria around that same time period. They had a, a, a favorite house Atlantic came out and that band was just so like proggy and weird and like mm-hmm. all, every album they did was a concept album. It was a soundtrack yeah, or rich. a graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, that was not something that like, there's no way that those guys even expected to be on MTV. And then they were. No. That song was just so like so poppy and so catchy though. Yeah, I remember Jericho saw them at The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> like which if you I mean I nobody knows what the rock is, I would say, but it holds like 60 people. You know, like if it on a good day a hundred, and that would be like when they really are selling out. But like, yeah, it was just one of those things. Dude, Jericho saw speaking of things that he saw at the rock, he saw Ben Folds at the rock. That's amazing. They've it was actually, after Ben Folds 5, but it was before he had his solo records hit. They've had and some the guy, surprisingly big bands come through there. Yeah, because Ben Folds was opening for Francis Black. <sighs> but that was post-Pixie. So like these guys are both just kind of in music limbo touring together. It's weird, too, because it's like objectively like not... God, I'm, gonna get tr- I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the, I'll just say this, the layout of the floor of that venue is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's got the big like chain link fence and it's got like poles through the center of it. It's like. This is pre chain link fence. Oh, really? Yeah. I um, I have some fond memories there. I do. I like have some not so great memories there too, actually. I have some fond memories there, but also every time I've seen a band there, I'm like, really, that's the place they're going? Can't they go anywhere else? I I plead the fifth, man. I'm gonna plead the fifth on that. There's there are objectively there are and have been worse venues in Tucson. That's all I'll say about that. For sure. No, I will give you that for sure. And for some reason, the rock will never die, and so that's great. And then it there was like twice in a row they on. had against me, and so I went and saw. They had me in a small place. They had against me like not that many years ago. Like it was before I moved away, Mm. but they must give them a great door deal. They must or something. I think also like, I just remember like being there and it was just like, it was, I've seen them a bunch of times, but it was by far like the best show I had seen of them because it was so small and so like close. And uh, I mean, it was way oversold. Like there was, it was way over capacity. It was just like, disgusting and uncomfortable and he was like covered in so many people's like bodily fluids and sweat and like uh there was no like pit or anything it was just like literally just like everyone's kind of swaying because you're like packed in so tight that's all you can kind of do um it was like not really dancing it was just trying to maintain your balance yeah i have been to shows like that although never an against me show like that because when i would see them at the rock they were still at the rock capacity levels and after that, I saw them in Phoenix a couple of times and they played the Fond out here, which is pretty big. It's like a thousand seater. Was that uh, Tom or was that Laura? Uh, when I saw them? Yeah. That, that last time? That last time was Laura. It's the only time I've seen mm-hmm. them with, with Laura. Um, okay. Yeah. It, I saw them mid-2000s, well, one of the years they did the Warp Tour. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was so cool because I remember like it started raining while they played Sink Florida Sink. 
Nice. That was like, and it like just not a lot, just like a little drizzle, you know, just like a hot, mm-hmm. nasty Phoenix drizzle. Uh, but it was like so cool. It was like such a, just such a, like a great, I don't know, for lack of a better term, vibe. Although mm-hmm. that word, that word kind of sucks. Vibe kind of uh, sucks as a word. No, I take it because we know what you mean. It's about communication. It doesn't matter that other people use it stupid. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, I mean, because. It's what else hit- are you going to use? Mood? That became a hashtag. That's true. It's just like very, it's a very hippie expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, even though like there's a lot of very hippie things about me, I just like never want to be that kind of white person. <laughs> Heck, there he is. Green shirt guy. Uh, I think we referenced that he was green shirt guy like for five seconds. We didn't talk about it. I've known him, I want to say two or three years before green shirt guy even happened. So it's like, it's not the basis of our friendship. So it just didn't come up. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. A uh, couple other things. The band that I couldn't think of the name was Mates of State. That's the band I was talking about. They live in New York. They sound like they're anime cartoon characters. They're a married couple. I love the band. Uh, other people hate the band. I get both sides of it. It's super adorable, and if you don't like super adorable, it would just come off super cheesy, and then and then you're not into it. That's fine. But if you love super adorable, Mates of State. Check them out. I love them. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up. I don't. I don't know why I feel like I need to bring this up. Actually, I do. So a couple episodes back. On the Jacob Lee episode, we talked about Chris D'Elia, and we talked about how we think he's a great comic, and things have come to light since then, and so it's like I feel like I need to just say a couple of things. Like I don't know him personally. He's a guy we I see him around a lot, but it's not even like we say hi because we don't know each other. So. I know nothing of him personally. You know, like I would see him with different women and stuff, but it was always in a comedy club. So I always assumed everyone was of age. So it just, none of that stuff ever clicked. And it's kind of like, emotionally, this reminds me of when I was in high school. And then it came out that one of the teachers was sleeping with one of the students. You know, because it was like, I looked up to a guy like a Chris D'Elia because he would do so well on stage. I felt like it was like a teacher thing. Even though I don't know him, you'd watch him and try to figure out what you could do to improve your stand-up to reach that level. And so it's kind of like that, where like there's like this teacher, but you find out that he does a lot of backwoods, shitty shit behind the scenes. And it fucking ruins it for you. It really does. Like, like I don't know if anyone's listening from high school, like... I don't have any respect for Mr. Woods anymore, you know, like, and, you know, the same's happening right now with Chris D'Elia, you know, you're like, I don't, I can't respect this. This is not what we get into comedy for. I'm here because I love the jokes, but some people are here because like they see a debaucherous lifestyle and they hear about a debaucherous lifestyle and that's what they get into. And like, fuck that, you know, like, that's not cool. 
And so, like, I wanted to address that. That I don't find that cool. <laughs> I'm sure no one does. I'm sure no one's like, yes, of course. You know, like, that's... It's pedophilia. It's gross. It's terrible. It's shitty. I... You know, like... So it's interesting. Even just the episode dropped two weeks ago. It's like, now my opinion is, like, shifting. You know, like... But it's because things came to light. And you, you look at these things and people say these things and you and you judge them. You know, like much like the Jeff Ross thing. Or like, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but a, a girl said that she dated him when she was... Started when it was like 14 and became like a boyfriend like it, when she was 15. And he was in his mid-30s. And it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting and she's got a lot of evidence. So you're just like, how do we not listen to this? We gotta hear this out. That's a, that's a weird back-end thing to do to Alex. I'm sorry, Alex, that your episode on the end has the pedophilia chunk, but that's just what happened in our world over the last couple days. Um, also, this is an all-Tucson week. The next episode, we got Matt Zemeck. Uh Alex and Matt run a show called The Switch, so check out The Switch. You know, like, check out Alex on everything he does. It's at Alex Kak, A-L-E-X-C-A-C-K. Really fun Twitter, you know, like we were talking about the voting of Monkey Bone and stuff. Things come up and become fun and interactive. You know, he's got a great Instagram as well. Check him out on his things. He does a show called The Switch on Twitch that I love to do where the audience texts in suggestions. And then you go with it from there. And he does it with Matt Zemak, And you're going to hear from him on Friday. So, guys, thank you. Rate, review, subscribe, share this podcast. Thank you very much. I love all of that stuff. Please. Feel free to send me any DMs of any questions or such. I answer all of them. I think I think that just about does it. Follow me at Aaron M. Marsh on everything. Guys, thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Find a place in this world or never belong. I've got to be me. I gotta be me. What else can I be but what I am? I'll go it alone. That's how it must be. I can't be right for anyone else if I'm not right for me. I've got to be free. I gotta be free. Derek, I try to do it all.